Welcome to Sound DeFi. I'm your host, Chris Berg. Very excited for our conversation today. We've got a co-founder and chief compliance officer from Tokeny Solutions, Daniel Kaur. I had a chance to visit with him when we were in Miami in the middle of March as well. And so, Daniel, we're in this, this sort of crypto winter. Uh, people are wondering what's happening. So it's great to see you again. And thanks so much for joining us. Chris, it's a pleasure to be here with you today. Let's just start with the basics, sort of what is tokenizing an asset? What is Tokeny Solutions? How are you providing value for clients? Well, we, for the last five years, Tokeny has been developing solutions to use the blockchain as an infrastructure in order to represent uh, digital assets or securities. Uh, when we started five years ago, we were mainly servicing this ICO market, utility token offering. And the idea was to provide um, some framework to facilitate the onboarding of investors, identifying them, and at the end of this process, they would receive the, the token. We were doing that on the on the standard from Ethereum that people may be familiar with is the ERC-20. The ERC-20 is permissionless. It means that if I send you the token, you will receive it. In a sense, this is great because it is doing what it's supposed to be doing. But if there are any restrictions applying to that transfer, like for example, you know, don't want to send your token to someone being in Russia or in North Korea, then there is no way to prevent that from happening. If you deal with uh, securities where you have a lot of rules uh, and for, for compliance reasons, that doesn't work. So you needed to add a level of permissioning on the token. And this is what Token has been developing for the last five years. So we build a compliance framework that enable to make sure that whenever you have specific rules and regulation applying to your tokens, you can enforce those rules and regulation on the public blockchain. On private blockchain, you don't have that problem because the compliance is guaranteed by the participants. But when you want to do it on public blockchain, then you need to permission the token. Now, the question is, why would, would you want to do it on public blockchain? Well, if you compare, you know, Coda, for example, which is one of the, uh, the most commonly used private blockchain in the financial world, um, there are around 100 developers working on Coda. If you compare that to Ethereum, they are, and of course, they are not fully dedicated uh, FTEs, but nevertheless, there are people contributing massively to Ethereum. There are 340,000 developers on Ethereum. And you probably heard now what we commonly refer to uh, layer two blockchains. Those are sidechain connected to, uh, to the Ethereum mainnet. Um, then um, you can easily understand where the innovation will be coming from. If you are familiar with uh, protocols such as Uniswap, uh, SushiSwap, Avalanche, those are all DeFi protocols that are connected to uh, to the layer two um, uh, blockchain environments. So, um, so Tokeny has been working on on bridging the traditional world of finance uh, with this new uh, infrastructure that is called blockchain. So if you don't mind, take us through some sort of real world case studies or maybe some success stories that you guys have had. I know I heard recently in one of your interviews that Tokeny has produced over 100 tokens, $28 billion in, in asset value. I've got some friends in real estate and they're, they're always saying to me, hey, Chris, so I've got this, you know, this asset. Number one, how do I tokenize it? And then number two, once I get it tokenized, how does that generate more liquidity for me? Yeah, I will come to the uh, real estate use case in a second, but maybe to explain what we've seen happening in this industry. First of all, of course, the hype uh, of crypto uh, was very much focusing on Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. But in reality, and this is how we see it, this is an infrastructure play. You know, we usually refer to uh, Internet as 
the infrastructure to transfer information and, and blockchain, the infrastructure to transfer value. So in essence, anything that has a value will be represented on a distributed ledger technology infrastructure because it is simply more cost-effective to represent it. But not only that, it completely variabilized the cost of infrastructure. Let me take you an example. Uh, you were referring to real estate. If you are issuing a token that represents an interest into a real estate, a piece of real estate, so you invest, for example, $1,000 into that building that is in New York, right? The moment you invest, you create a transaction on the blockchain. If you keep that investment for 10 years, the only infrastructure cost that you will have related to that token will be the cost of creating the token and selling the token at the end of the 10 years period. That's it. You have variabilized completely the cost of the infrastructure. So you make the whole infrastructure more efficient. Now, of course, once you represent the token on infrastructure, uh, the data sits there and can be put into action. With the like of Invenium that provides solution to give real-time pricing information on the asset, then you can start using uh, that token for providing access to capital, for example, collateralization. I have a token that is worth $1,000, so I can use it to get credit, for example. Now that we understand what is the value of that uh, of that asset, I can go to the bank and say, I'm going to use that token to collateralize it and receive a $1,000 of loan, for example, that I can put into action as well. So... In essence, what you have is an asset that is first fully transferable because it is represented now on the distributed ledger technology and that can uh, be enriched with third-party information that enables you to start building more usage out of it, collateralization, secondary market, et cetera, et cetera. So this is what we're seeing now. We see that this infrastructure, like the internet, in essence, you knew uh, first you had to have the internet before having applications such as uh, Instagram or or, or, or TikTok, right? It's the same thing with the, uh, with what we're doing. Before having applications such as DeFi, you needed to recognize that there was an infrastructure, which is what is happening now. So let's go through a possible example, maybe even a client potentially for you guys with the Central Africa Republic now legalized Bitcoin. And one of the things their president recently said is, hey, now we want to begin to tokenize some of the mineral assets that they have in the country, whether it be gold, lithium, oil, things of that nature. How could you work with a, a country like that to help them begin to tokenize their assets and really raise the quality of life for everybody in the Central Africa Republic. Yeah. So first, let's make clear that the moment that your token is considered as a security, you have to comply with security law. Uh, that's as easy as, as easy as that. If you, if I make a comparison with uh, the European market, in the EU we have this uh, new regulation at. Uh, EU level that is called MICA. MICA define what a digital asset is. It excludes from that definition securities because they say we don't need new regulation for a token that will be a security because you just need to comply with existing law. So if you want to start tokenizing, you know, gold mine or anything or commodities, you first have to comply with the specific law that are linked to what you issue. If it is a security, you comply with the security law to to, uh, to create it. Uh, to distribute it, you need to comply with the rule applying to how you raise money or, or you distribute securities. This is as simple as that. Uh, now, what the token enables you is to start interacting in a digital way with your investors. Because what you do is you create an onboarding platform where you can perform KYC, you can allow your investors to subscribe to your instrument, then you will deliver the token. And once you have this token, then you can indeed first interact with the issuer in a digital way, but also you can reach out the community if you're interested to sell that token to create as a first step an intention to sell. 
So you create discoverability on the fact that you, you are selling and potentially using the same token uh, to feed ATSs in order to create more access to liquidity. Is there hypothetically a way, like you look at some of the conversations right now, at least in the United States of America, where we're having issues with inflation, a large part of that is gas prices, and, and many people are suggesting, hey, it's because we're not pumping oil domestically. Would there be a, and part of that's because there's been such a restriction to capital and obviously regulations for certainty, but is there a way like an oil company could go out and tokenize that asset and create liquidity that way to start pumping more oil in America? Well, I guess what it would do is, again, so the first thing that you would do is to create a representation of what you consider as being an asset. Now, will it create more access to capital because it's tokenized? Uh, you would obviously start reaching out other distribution channels that would probably be outside of your traditional distribution channels. That's exactly what we see now or the interest that we see from asset managers. They say, if you look at the US, for example, it's slightly different than Europe because uh, as the uh, the social security is very different. People have to contribute themselves. They've always been a direct connection between fidelity, those large asset managers that obviously are enabling you to, uh, or pension fund for that matter, that enable you to place your investment, right? So there are, so those distribution channels are already different than, than what we can see in Europe. Uh, but think about reaching out investors in different regions outside of the US um, that indeed have appeal to invest in those assets, but they have no, have no reach uh, to those assets. If you look at how capital markets are structured, typically those markets are local, but the, 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 the assets that are being available to those investors can come from, from different regions of the world. If I'm, for example, based in the UK, I would have a tendency to uh, reach out a local broker-dealer or access a local market infrastructure because they are regulated, so I trust this market infrastructure uh, because potentially they have a way to facilitate tax reporting, that kind of things. But uh, if it enables me to start reaching or uh, investing in assets that are uh, very attractive, but outside of my market, because typically those are not assets that I could uh, invest directly, then this is creating a different, a different way for me to uh, access those assets, but also to benefit from uh, the return that those assets can have that could be superior to my uh, the asset I have access locally. So I know that you mentioned recently that you've created over 100 tokens. Can you give us an idea of maybe one or two of those tokens that you've created and then the utility that's been utilized from that? I and mean, What's the value that's been generated? Maybe a success story? Sure. Um, the The first client that Tokeny had was what we call single issuer. Those are typically companies that want to... Uh, uh, fund projects and that uh, use the technology in order to diversify the investor base. Now we have moved into uh, multiple issuer and typically those are uh, digital marketplaces that are leveraging the expertise that they have uh, into their own vertical, like real estate, uh, to reach out new type of investors or address shortcomings that they have been confronted with in the industry. The example of, of real estate is a very good one. In Luxembourg, we have two marketplaces. One is called Digibrick, the other one is called BlockOM. And those are companies that enable people to start investing in real estate assets for as, as, as little as a thousand euro, the equivalent of a thousand dollar. The real estate market in Luxembourg has been booming for the last 10 years. You have annual rate of return between 20 to, uh, well, 15 to 20%. But uh, in order to invest into uh, the center of Luxembourg, you don't have an asset that is uh, 
uh, lower than half a million dollars, for example. So that's impossible if you want to invest directly in that asset if you need to buy that asset. So fractionalization is a mean to reduce the barrier of entry for those investors that can only afford you know, to invest, as I said, as little as $1,000, for instance. Now, of course, when you invest into those assets in the traditional uh, market, you would be locked into that asset for you know, whatever duration. So here, the fact that you have a token enables you to either use it for collateral purposes, which is the use case that I mentioned earlier, or, or you can use uh, the existing platform that token is built or the liquidity pool that token is connecting to in order to create some secondary market opportunity, meaning selling that tokens uh, to other investors. So I'm curious, I don't know how much you've had a chance to dive into the recent piece of potential legislation in the United States. It was uh, put out by Senator Gillibrand, Senator Loomis out of Wyoming. Did you get a chance to see that? And do you have any reaction to what they put out? I have to admit that I didn't. <laughs> I, I wouldn't Maybe. expect that you would, knowing where you're at, but I just... Tell me more about it. I, I'm, I'm curious now. Well, so what they did is essentially like a, a Bitcoin or Ethereum, they're going to label that as a commodity. And then some cryptos, if you're going to go out and use those to raise capital or whatnot, will be created, you know, considered a security. So there's going to be a little bit of distinction there. And as you talk about fractionalizing real estate, you know, that obviously oftentimes will fall under the line of being a, a security. And so I'm just, it's going to be interesting to see how that, sort of plays out and being in this world for quite some time, I'm, I'm just, what's your response to the little bit that I've shared with you? Well, you know, I, I think that there will be many ways to use the technology in order to create either new financial products or to facilitate access to, um, to investments. So I, I, I would say that in essence, I'm, I'm really in favor of all those initiatives. Now, when you talk about decentralization, a lot of people, translate decentralization with absence of regulation. I think that regulation exists uh, with the first objective to protect investors. Uh, and, you know, we have to be uh, transparent with you, what we've seen, you know, um, lately with NFTs, where you see people investing massively in NFTs that are just, you know, graphical representation of monkeys. And again, I'm not here to argue whether it has value or not, but clearly, you know, there are people that have made a lot of money uh, and they have potentially uh, manipulated market by, you know, buying a lot of those tokens and then selling those token shorts to, to make money out of that, right? So regulation is there to protect investors, to make sure that people are following good practice so that, you know, if someone is abusing your trust, then you can go to someone and 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 and, uh, and, and potentially enter a claim to recover your, your loss. So if you work without regulation, uh, obviously you will always have people that will be abusing others. So I think that I'm, again, I'm in favor of all those, you know, implementation of the technology to create new investment opportunity. But I do feel as well that there is a need to protect investors and comply with at least a minimum set of regulations. One of the things I'm curious about is, you know, what's your onboarding process for clients? Let's say that there's somebody out there right now that they've got some real estate and they're, you know, curious about maybe tokenizing that. Maybe the president of the Central African Republic sees this and says, hey, I want to use tokeny to, you know, tokenize our commodities here in, in our country, our minerals. How would someone start to work with you? What's the process to develop those tokens? And then obviously, again, to create liquidity. Yeah. Well, the first thing that people have to understand is what is the value proposition that you want to offer to your investor? And where do I want to do it? Right. So and that does not relate to tokenization is what is my value proposition? And that obviously will mean that you need to understand what product offering, uh, where you want to issue your token, where you want to distribute distribute it, to whom do you want to distribute it. In the US, for example, I have to uh, um, select 
one of the exemption I want to go for. Uh, so that defines basically your value proposition. Once you have defined your value proposition and work on the supporting materials, then you can engage with Tokeny that will provide you with a, with a platform that enables you to do this digital onboarding. So what we do is we digitalize the onboarding journey of investors, starting with performing KYC. And this, of course, is always in, in wide label uh, under the brand of our, of our client. So we onboard uh, the client by performing KYC. So we collaborate uh, with company uh, like Onfido and, uh, and others uh, that provide um, uh, technology to facilitate that. And then we bring them to this journey of uh, reviewing the documentation, potentially signing a subscription form. We have included uh, uh, in our solution uh, um, DocuSign as a mean to sign document in a digital way. And then you would indicate what is your wallet. Uh, so the wallet is, is, the, uh, is basically where the mean for uh, yourself to identify uh, um, uh, to identify yourself as the owner of those assets. Uh, we have signed a, a partnership with Fireblocks recently that will be announced, I think, in a couple of weeks. Uh, Fireblocks have been selecting tokening platform for tokenization. And at the end of this process, you will receive in the wallet that you have indicated your, your, your token. And then you have a set of platform on the issue side that enables them to control the token and on the in investor side to enable interacting with the issuer and perform basic actions such as transfer or looking for uh, an investor that potentially could buy the token in secondary markets. So it's an all digital experience that we are providing. Uh, and I'm, I'm insisting on the fact that this is a digital experience. Part of that is sitting on the blockchain, but a lot of that is sitting on the internet, actually. When you mentioned, too, it's important. I've, obviously, I got to understand, hey, what's in it for my investors, right? So I guess the big question some people are going to say is, okay, so why not just do it the traditional way rather than tokeny? What would you say to that? Well, uh, you know, you could make the analogy with what Carta is doing in the U.S. Uh, you know, before Carta, investors were holding a piece of paper as the evidence of the um, of the investment, right? And if they were losing that piece of paper, you were basically losing your investment. So Carta was one of the pioneers that worked with the government to say, well, we don't necessarily need to have a piece of paper. Maybe we could have a, a digital certificate. So, um, and Carta, we have to give them credit for that, is being really driving this transition to a more digital ecosystem. And, and if you can make an analogy, it's very much like Carta as enabled to digitalize, so to bring those securities to the cloud, right? Everybody's familiar with the cloud today, uh, and probably potentially five years ago, people were skeptic about bringing data to the cloud, but now everybody has you know, a solution where the data is hosted on the cloud. What we do is bringing this data in the next generation cloud, which is a decentralized cloud. And that decentralized cloud will enable those security to have access to a much, much larger community than the one that you could find on your own cloud. And this is the only way that you can really benefit either from the technology development, I mentioned DeFi, or simply from a critical mass that will enable you to create liquidity. Because without critical mass, uh, especially in private market where there are far more securities than in public markets, uh, as an analogy, you know, uh, and very few people are familiar with that, but if you look at Euronex, which is one of the investors in Tokeny, uh, Euronex is the uh, the so the incumbent stock exchange in Europe, they operate in aid market. They exist for 150 years. Uh, in total, they have 2,000 securities listed on, 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 on the infrastructure. Uh, in Europe, there are 
more than 250,000 companies of more than 100 people that could access those private market solutions. So in order to create liquidity, obviously you need to achieve a critical mass. You cannot create work with silo. You need to open those silos to reach as many investors as possible. So, and this is what the token permits to reach that global community and create a path towards liquidity. And it democratize it, which I think is such an exciting aspect of this uh, industry. So um, I want to get your take on one example, if you're familiar with it, where the St. Regis of Aspen, they want to go out and raise $18 million. I've heard mixed reviews about how it went, but they ended up going the, the tokenization route. Just what what's your assessment on that? What went right? What went wrong? And, and how would you have done it better? Well, first of all, I, I want to give credit to what they did because that was uh, more or less five years ago. Uh, and five years ago, it was not easy to understand, you know, what was a token? Uh, did it have to comply with security law? I think that the concept of what they achieved, which was really to fractionalize, you know, real estate investment, was really avant-gardiste, as we say in French. And so Daniel, something- Daniel, I apologize. If you don't mind, because you probably know it a lot better than I do, if you wouldn't mind just kind of laying out for our audience and aren't familiar with it, I think they wanted to raise $18 million, if I remember correctly. But do you want to sort of lay out what they were trying to do and then why they went the tokenization route? Yeah, sure. So um, there was this um, building in Aspen that they brought on, on the platform. And similarly to the use case that I've mentioned earlier, they want to facilitate investment into that building by providing tokens and, and token representing a fraction of, uh, of the building, right? Um, I'm not too familiar exactly with the legal structuring, so where the company was based and if the token was representing equity or debt. In essence, this is irrelevant because there is, as I said earlier, a value proposition that the token represents that depends on uh, the type of assets, where you distribute it, and what type of return you want to give to your clients. But that was the value proposition that uh, they brought to the market at that time. Um, I think that at that time also, uh, we were going out or we were still in the in, in the ICO waves. So their main target was to um, focus on crypto investors. So people that obviously became rich because of crypto and and, and wanted to leverage this uh, new uh, fundraising method, method, which is tokenization uh, and STOs at that time, because we were referring to uh, to security token offering as a mean to collect money. So um, um, of, well, we've seen with the time that people that had crypto uh, were not so much interested into traditional type of investments uh, because they were more interesting into high speculative instruments. So investing in startup or in securities uh, at that time was really not um, uh, appealing to them because everybody was still you know, betting of the move of cryptocurrency. And if you look back five years ago, they were right to do so. Uh, and more lately, people indeed have started to diversify uh, the portfolio of, of crypto into other type of assets, which I think looking at you know what's happening of the crypto uh, was probably a wise thing to do. But if you look back at five years ago, what this project was about, it was really about uh, offering the opportunity to invest in real estate uh, for crypto investors. And that worked pretty well. But uh, we all know that at the end of the day, um, uh, crypto investors were not really so interested in that type of project. And that's why the promise that people or the the hope that people had that STO would be the next wave of ICOs didn't really materialize. I think what's fascinating is, is I'm sure you know the name St. Regis. So the fact that the St. Regis went the tokenization right out of Aspen rather than just traditional FI was, I think, an interesting play as well. Somebody continues to brag about your KYC product that I think is being developed or is about to be released. Can you tell us a little bit more about, about what that is? So tokeny has been 
leveraging an open standard from Ethereum, which is the ERC-734 and 735, where you rebranded that to on-chain ID, as a mean to enforce compliance. So the this on-chain identity product is, is, a, is a part of our compliance framework. It enables to link assets with identity. There are certain things, obviously, uh, when you deal with security that are related to the security itself, uh, but uh, a lot of uh, the, the compliance uh, requirements are linked to the identity of the investors. Are you accredited? Are you qualified? Are you U.S. resident, non-U.S. residents? So it's very important to be able to rely on an identity solution, which, by the way, is fully decentralized. So by uh, having a decentralized solution, there is never a dependency on token in itself. Also, leveraging an identity solution enables the various parties that are engaged with issuers to continue performing under the mandate that they have received. For instance, um, a custodian, how can you enable a custodian to deal with digital instrument uh, on the decentralized infrastructure if they don't have a mean to do that, if you cannot allow or, or provide them with that mandate? So um, chain ID is a mean to, to enable the various participants of this ecosystem to continue uh, operating under the mandate that they have received. But in addition to that, we also see a, a huge opportunity when it relates to uh, a Web 3.0 Web or, or Metaverse to be able to connect people with their identity because this is a way to identify yourself as, as the owner of that asset, therefore enable you also to have a recovery mechanism. I'm not going to explain you, you know, if you work on a permissionless blockchain such as the Bitcoin, if you lose your private key, you lose your assets. That's something obviously that the regulator is not very keen in supporting. So if you link those assets with an identity, there is a recovery mechanism that just means that you have to identify yourself and we can provide access to the assets, but also as a means to monetize it. So we see on-chain identity as being really at the core of all those solutions going forward, either related to digital assets, Web 3.0 or Metaverse. Wow. Daniel, thanks for all the time. I want to give you the last word. Anything else you want to share that I haven't asked you about? No, it's a, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here today. I, I would like to, again, uh, re-insist on our collaboration with Invenium because I believe that together with Invenium, we are creating this ecosystem that links private assets with, with the investors. And that is essential, obviously, because if you cannot price assets, there is no way that you can create secondary markets. So we believe that uh, by linking uh, those various uh, members of the ecosystem, Invenium uh, and others participants, we are creating this industry of the future. You know what, Dan, I, I do have one more question because I always enjoy talking to you. Take us out five years. Where is this industry at five years from now? Well, first of all, I think that nobody will talk about tokens or wallets. You know, if you remember the, 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 the day of the Internet, there was so much conflict uh, on how Internet would be used. You know, uh, I remember the U.S., there were presentations to the Senate, you know, about the impact, the risk, online payment. You know, it was such a big fuzz, right? And I think we're going through exactly the same thing. So in a couple of years from now, you will be using digital assets without referring to those acronyms. It will be part of your everyday life. We will have hidden all the complexity of having to pay gas fee and that kind of things. And we'll just be something that we use um, as a normal thing, there will be stable coins because, of course, uh, it's nothing but e-money, e-money on the decentralized infrastructure, far more efficient, obviously, to be uh, uh, to be transferred. But I also see great opportunity in order to uh, to leverage those DeFi protocol to get access to funding. Uh, let me give you an example. Today, if I invest every month, you know, into a pension fund, I will only give the parts that I obviously don't need for my daily living, right? Uh, and you know that those pension funds usually offer re great return where I can get probably 
you know, access to money for quite a low rate because the interest rates are low. Typically, you know, pension fund would give me 10% of return and I could get money with my bank for 3%. So if I could, you know, invest everything that I get, you know, my salary to my pension fund and use my token to, um, to um, you know, go to my bank and say, can you use this token for collateral and give me the, the $500 or $1,000 I need for my, my living? So the spread between those 10% and 3% is how much money I can make by simply using the benefits of tokenization and collateralization. Again, this is just one example, but I think that we will see more and more of those use cases happening in the future. As I said earlier, blockchains and infrastructure, we'll see more and more of those applications and it will come, you know, so common in our life is, is sending emails today. We don't question, you know, what protocol is being used beyond our email. We just make use of email as a natural thing. Daniel, what's the website for Tokeny? Is it just Tokeny.com or? It's Tokeny.com, indeed. Tokeny.com. Daniel, co-founder of Tokeny Solutions. It's great to visit with you. I look forward to talking to you again soon, sir. Thank you very much, Chris. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Sound DeFi Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Berg. Many more of these coming up.